Welcome to the Partnership Economy. This podcast explores the power of partnerships through candid conversations with industry leaders. Join our hosts, Dave Yovano, CEO, and Todd Crawford, co-founder of Impact.com, as they unpack the future of partnerships as a lever for scale and an opportunity to put the consumer first. Welcome back to the Partnership Economy. This is Todd Crawford, and today we have a great episode with Angel Jambazov, where we will discuss the changing relationship between creators and brands, how automation is affecting these relationships, and much more. Angel is the co-founder and oversees business development at Lab6 Media. His career has led him to spearheading multiple digital marketing campaigns for well-known brands such as Dell and Spanx, he has worked directly with influencers like Kevin Love and Tim Ferriss. He briefly served as a CMO for a startup known as Pop Shops, which later got acquired by Rakuten Linkshare in 2013. He's earned the title of Affiliate Manager of the Year in 2006 and again in 2009, and was listed as one of the top 25 performance marketing influencers in 2011. This was a fascinating conversation with Angel, and I hope you enjoy Hey, Angel. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Hey, Todd. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So before we get started, I, I think it might be helpful for people to get an overview of Lab6 Media, what you guys do, I guess even back to how it got started and the types of clients you work with, things like that, just to give everybody context as you we go through our discussion. We like to joke that started over tamales. My co-founder is one of the best tamale makers uh, that I've ever had from a homegrown tamale perspective. And we're both foodies and we always end up at the, you know, different affiliate conferences, kind of passing each other at the same restaurants. And since we had the same taste and, and we're friends anyways, outside of our respective uh, careers, we like, Hey, why don't we team together and, you know, build an agency so thus Lab 6 was formed. And it's funny because I'm calling you today from an organic farm and four of the uh, team are have some kind of farming background. There's a lot of just kind of sync between our both lifestyles and our outlook outside of the affiliate space. So our focus as we've grown is primarily with D2C companies and in gaming. And I mean, I've been doing this for 15 years. Uh, Karen's been doing this for longer. So has Scott Jangro, Joel. They've all been doing it for much longer than I have. And we've had the pleasure of working on companies like Dell, Spanx, Patagonia. And on our current portfolio, we're lucky enough to work with Fanatics, Fanatics on the Impact platform, uh, and a lot of different gaming companies like Unity. It's interesting that you talk about farming because I always use farming as an analogy to um, partnerships and affiliate because um, unlike most media channels where, you know, you can put a dollar in today and get two dollars out tomorrow, I always use the analogy of uh, I invite you over for dinner and I'm sitting on the front porch and there's a big field pl- freshly plowed in front and, I, and you go, hey, how's it going? I go, yeah, I just, I just planted corn today. Now we're ready for dinner. And you asked me if we're having corn for dinner and it, uh, you know, (laughs) takes a little time to to get that crop to grow and, and harvest. And I think that's, uh, something that a lot of, some companies have a, a difficult time because the investment's more upfront as opposed to it, it paces 
the media spin paces their results. Well, it's funny because I, I think that analogy is very apropos. I constantly talk to people who don't understand where their food comes from. And I think oftentimes companies, you know, expect instant service uh, similar to the way sometimes people treat farms like grocery stores, and they're not. And you have to kind of invest the time to create the yield. And oftentimes the yield is way better in terms of quality, in terms of something you want to go back to than you would get at the grocery store quickly at scale. And I think it's the same with the you know partnerships. I think if you take the time and invest, the yield is way better you know, in terms of that relationship, uh, especially over time, than you would get like in something that's strictly programmatic. Yeah, I always say uh, keywords don't have feelings. No. And, you know, <laughs> affiliates do. So it's a much more of a relationship game here. And that always comes out in these conversations um, that, you know, the relationships are really what drive the, not only the volume, but the quality, right? The quantity and the quality of the results and the opportunities. So we'll probably use uh, food and farming as the total tie-in through this whole conversation because <laughs> I can see how to do this a million ways. But I want to get to my first question that I always love to ask and really just kind of pick your brain as to what's top of mind right now. I think people have often taken the industry for, for granted that it's always going to kind of stay in the same kind of way. And I think things are evolving much quicker than we expect. And we're having problems that, that, that we're just not used to encountering in the past because we're kind of used to mentally, because we're in it every day, and we're used to things being stagnant, right? So similar to food, I see brands all the time treating influencers and partners, and to me, the, the term is interchangeable, as a one-size-fits-all thing, almost like they're taking them through instead of developing a custom meal for them they're taking them you know through the cafeteria and just here's something that we've already prepackaged for you it's not based on your taste not based on what you like it's not based on even it's a fit for us as a brand it's just based on us wanting to scale uh, and scale driving everything every decision and I, I think that that's a mistake and I think the industry is is changing much quicker than people expect. Um, one of the examples that I can think of is um, because we've worked with so many different partners, we've also ended up kind of collaborating with and repping a few partners. And uh, one of them, for instance, is a company that work as a partner that all of their content is 100% in the studio, right? Uh, similar to this conversation, you know, it's in a studio environment. We had an outdoor company approach them, wanting them to go and take the shoes of this outdoor company and stick them in a water and water inside a water fountain and film that. And not a single piece of their content for the five years they've had a YouTube channel has been outside the studio. And it seems like, again, there's just this mismatch there with what with the, with the brands are, 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 are looking for there. Yeah, I think a lot of times, especially going into the creator space, pivoting off of like affiliate, which I kind of see as affiliates are very self-serve, like, right? Like once you're you're in a program, you can kind of decide what to do and get your links and promote the products that you want. Where creators, there's a little bit more collaboration every time, right? It's it's not just become my 
creator or my influencer and have at it. Um, there's a little bit more direction. It's sometimes around product launches. So there's a lot of coordination. You have to get the product to them. And I, I think that throws a lot of brands kind of for a loop a little, because like you said, they're used to just treating everything the same. And now they have something that's a little more nuanced. And I think, I think a lot of the big influencers when brands are working more like in the paid placements, paid posts, those teams are are able to handle that. But when you, you kind of blur the lines in the affiliate channel or the partnerships channel, it does get a little, uh, a little confusing or, you know, kind of the wires get crossed for uh, what, what the brand wants and what the publisher can deliver. And also probably just timelines and other things. Right. Well, and it's interesting too, because a couple weeks back, I got to be at your, and no sunshine in your guys' direction, but you're actually at at a great show in New York. I think you guys put together a great thing and it wasn't just because Trevor Noah was there, who was fabulous, by the way. One of the, I think, most interesting takeaways was Chloe Wen's speech. So she's, for folks who aren't there, she's an influencer who's in boutique's fashion space. And one of the things she talked about was that 60% of her revenue is affiliate deals, but not only affiliate. I think everybody at the show kind of took away that, oh, great, 60% is affiliate deals, and I can just come to them with an affiliate deal, and and that's it, just a commission-only deal. And what she talked about was that really what is 60% of her revenue might have affiliate as a component, but that means that also the other part of that component is some kind of paid placement or or fee that comes with it. And I, I just don't think that that brands know how to approach that because I'm sure you know, even though she's a big time influencer, I'm sure that she gets approached by, you know, hey, talk about our toothpaste brand for $25. And that's not the right way to approach a partnership in mass. What you're going to get for that is not as a high quality as if you took the time to research what the creators you want to work with are good at. And that time, everybody's lacking for time and everybody's getting pushed for, for scale and sales goals. But that time to me, that investment of time and that investment of energy and that research, just like, like you would with, uh, for your consumers, I think is key uh, to get the right partners. Yeah, I think, I think the disconnect sometimes is this idea that they're content creators and they only have so much time to create content and they want to be paid for that part in addition to, to kind of share in, in the, the revenue generation, right? The affiliate part of the equation and that if, if they're going to, take the time to create content, which, you know, most are really good at it. They've dialed it in. They know how to create great video and, or they write really well and they resonate with their followers. That's worth something. I mean, they're not going to do that part for free on just the rev share, right? It's too much risk. And so I think that's where brands, especially, like I said, it's not so bad or, or difficult when it's a Influencer team managing more of the big influencers, right? Where that's all you do. But when you start to go into the affiliate channel and work with them that way in the hybrid model, I think sometimes brands feel like either they just don't have that budget to pay for content up front or, you know, during the process, or um, it just kind of, I don't say it rubs them the wrong way. It's just outside of the way they're used to doing business. And 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 that's the thing is, I think that that's a, a part of stagnation in the channel is that we're so used to doing business a particular way in an affiliate that, and I think Impact's done a great job focusing on partnerships and growing that. But I don't think that the industry as a whole has made that pivot of 
hey, affiliate is really just a way to make a particular type of channel and this particular type of partnership function. And there's a lot of different ways we can slice and dice this meal and present it in a custom way, you know, both to the consumers are going to come from those partners and to keep the partners happy themselves and everyone happy, the business growing and thriving. I see partnerships as kind of pivoting or, or diverging in a way right now from a pure, you know, cost per sale, cost per lead to a more of a fluid hybrid payment structure, meaning different partners need to be paid different ways. Some might be paid straight CPC. Some might be paid straight cost per sale as a percentage. Some might be paid upfront uh, as just a placement fee to do all the work and, and, and place the content. And then there's all these hybrids, right? I think a CPA against an effective CPC. So I guarantee 50 cents CPC against a 10% rev share, something like that. I think, I think it's, in order for it to become a magnitude bigger than it is today, brands are going to have to start thinking of this way and working with the publishers to get that kind of um, payment structure in place. Or, or they'll miss out on opportunities. And I think that's unfortunate because I think that there's just a plethora of opportunities in the space. So what's keeping you up at night? Finding a 24-hour place to eat? No. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I, I think what is keeping me up at night is back to what we were talking about in terms of if we're trying to find these kind of and cater to these relationships, how do we do that in a way that still allows for growth? And what really kind of clicked last year was two of our biggest wins as an agency last year came outside of the normal tools that we would use for scaling and automation. There were, in fact, mismatches. One of the examples that is really clear to me is we had a brand that was in the high-end apparel space. We took a flyer on a influencer that was a MMA fighter covered in tattoos uh, when he was fighting, had a mohawk, a complete mismatch in terms of the personas that the brand had drawn up. We decided to approach him uh, specifically because of a story that influencer told about wearing apparel similar to this brand's apparel. We convinced the brand to take this flyer. Again, all the automation, all the targeting, everything else would not have matched these two. And it became easily our biggest influencer win that year, not just for that brand, but uh, in our whole portfolio. Suddenly I'm like, hey, are we missing other opportunities? And that was drilled home even further. One of our other large um, affiliates and partners is out of Japan. And if you look at him holistically, you would think of him as a, a directory of sorts. But the amount of customization that, that he's done for our clients in the gaming space, again, complete mismatch from the kind of partners that they would normally look for and is just crushing it for our gaming partners that way. So I've got two mismatches from the targeting and automation tools I would use to scale. And suddenly I, I keep thinking to myself, well, if the industry has been a little bit stagnant and is not looking far enough ahead, and I have two of my biggest wins last year in the influencer space coming from outside of it, outside of the, the normal targeting tools, 
what other opportunities am I missing? Because I'm sure, for sure I'm missing 100% of those. And that really kind of keeps me up because I think oftentimes we get so wedded to our tools that we don't take the time to experiment. Again, crystal clear from last year's efforts, we would have missed out 100% on those two wins if we had just stayed within our lane. Right. And it's interesting that the brand was open to going that way too, because obviously it's probably felt like a risk to them, right? Like what if this backfires or do we want to be associated with this? Or is there any kind of downside downstream? I think that's a very good point to bring up because you're right. People are used to, you know, we're looking for people that are in this bucket that appeal to this type of customer and that's it. And you really be, you really limit yourself. And I think opening up a whole nother type of customer is, is something that a lot of brands maybe are a little risk averse around. Well, and, and I think that the only reason that our two clients were willing to take that risk was because of trust, right? As an agency, we built up a lot of trust with them and they were willing to, our you know, agency lead who lives on an organic farm and always comes up with wild ideas, has got these two wild ideas. Let's take that risk, let's experiment. But I, I think that room for experimentation, I think is what keeps the channel fresh, right? Whether it's a brand trusting its agency or a brand trusting the intuition of its internal managers, giving people the room to experiment is going to help find those wins. Yeah, I think a lot of brands are, are kind of concerned to get the most out of their budget and experimenting with a little bit. But I mean, they're doing A-B testing. They're doing landing page optimization. That's that's experimentation, right? It's it's Some of it works and some of it doesn't. So why wouldn't you do that with your partnerships, right? Or trying to, you know, I think, I think where a lot of brands, they go, hey, this 90% of our customers look like this. And so we want to put all our money towards those people. And in your example with the MMA, that, that was probably zero or 1% of their customers, right? So putting however many dollars to that is a risk. But when it pays off, it can be, you know, some of these, I, I've seen a lot of companies, you know, brand to brand partnerships where the payoff has just been literally off the charts, three digit percentage gains in, in revenue to the business. So, you know, that that's obviously a huge win. And both companies went in saying, let's test, let's see if this works, right? It wasn't, you know, we know it's going to work. I think we're missing out for just thinking about revenue only. I mean, it's one thing to test and find that vein of gold, which was amazing. But I think sometimes as well, that testing does other things for you. It can provide great new content. It can provide, and maybe you can repurpose for other things. It could provide an audience engagement or audience feedback that you never thought of. Then if it does hit the gold mine, it then can, like you said, provide that 300% you know, worth of revenue. Ultimately, A-B testing and stuff is a little bit of that. But if you think about it as kind of friends of friends or, or you know, even beyond lookalike audiences, there's some, a lot of opportunities that you might be missing if you're not taking those chances to experiment within a channel, whether that's trying an influencer that you wouldn't have worked with in the past or trying some different segments that you've never tried before, like can't tell you how many brands I've talked to that have never 
done with our partnerships, things like giveaways and sweepstakes. With more creators coming into the industry, brands and agencies are having a difficult time catering to the various partners they have. Creators and general affiliates are blending together and being treated as a one-size-fits-all. If brands continue this trend, scaling will become challenging due to the misalignment between what brands are asking for and what partners specialize in producing. It's crucial to remember that relationships between brands and partners need to be catered to more personably rather than strictly for financial gain. We'll hear next on what industry dynamics have Angel's attention right now. So let's talk about industry dynamics. What's got your attention right now? What's going on in the industry that's got you excited? There's two things. One on the the partner side and one kind of on the startup side. On the partner side, uh, it's what I think of as the, it's not an official term um, uh, or whatever, but I think of it as the Michael Jordan effect, which is that influencers and partners and creators are thinking to themselves, how is this a business beyond just a platform I'm at? Can I do and build things that will last if YouTube goes away or if TikTok goes away or if Twitch goes away, Facebook's uh, recent problems with, with Meta and stuff. Uh, I think I've had people start to think about, you know, the space in, in, in different ways and how can their content, the work that they've done and created, how can it survive beyond the platform they're on? So they're similar to Jordan outside of the NBA, creating this huge, huge brand around themselves. They're starting to think of themselves as a brand, as a business, if they're going to treat it more than just a more than just a hobby. So they're doing things like they're building websites, they're creating apps, they're merchandising their their own stuff. They're creating uh, brand co- collaborations. One of the coolest things uh, I've seen was it happens to be in the basketball space, but one of uh, our smaller clients out of Atlanta, they teamed up with an influencer who happened to be just all about. Uh, kicks, right? So I had talked solely about sneakers with their content. And they were a short company, so not necessarily a 100% match, but they did some tests with uh, this influencer and it happened to work out. And it worked out well enough after it was, it was actually a two-year time period, they actually put out a colorway that was custom to that influencer's color palette on their content and their website and teamed up with that influencer to kind of push those shorts. Similarly, one of our clients out of Canada that's in the underwear space teamed up with one of the largest rally car drivers out there. Again, matched that rally car driver's colorways and had huge sales because the fans of both those two audiences were excited that the brand not only was so invested in the, in the influencer they followed and trusted and whose content they consumed, but, you know, had taken the extra step of kind of incorporating themselves into that, that color match. And I'm seeing that more and more and more where influencers are thinking of themselves as a business. How can, how can we survive, you know, if the platform that we built on, you know, goes away tomorrow and, and where are those revenue streams coming from? And, you know, am I more than just my Twitch stream? Am I more than just my YouTube channel? 
And I think that's super exciting. And I'm excited to see that evolve even further. Um, one of the largest YouTube influencers that we work with, they're in the music space, building their own platform to help smaller bands and so on, not only get discovered, but get reviewed and help them sell tickets and so on. And they're thinking about that and building that currently. They've, they're currently in beta in a way that to me is super exciting. And I haven't seen influencers just think about in the past. And I'm, I'm just encountering that more often these days. Yeah, I think, you know, looking back over 20, 25 years in the affiliate space, everybody always used to say the innovation came from the affiliates. Like They would come up with the new ideas, the new business models. They would evolve. And I think what you're illustrating is the content creators are in that same boat. And, you know, you really want to be involved with them at that at that point where they're they're growing. Because if you're part of their growth, right, you're going to benefit more than if they've already grown and now you're trying to develop a relationship with them. And I think, you know, that you talked about our IPX event in New York and Chloe when she <laughs> that interview, I mean, she kind of details her journey, which is pretty fascinating and, and how she really had a lot of, you know, she was really thinking about this, like, how do I make this successful? And then, like I said, kind of pivoting from more of a, a hobby to a, to a, an actual business. Yeah. She was a re- revelation. Honestly, she, she was so well composed and so just from that interview, I mean, I don't know her personally, but from that interview, seemed so laser focused on how am I going to take these building blocks and build something that I'm not just waiting campaign to campaign or check to check for, that I can build something long-term and build a real brand around who she is and what she is passionate about. She was a revelation that way. It was super sharp. And then the other thing that's been in my head while back you had the leader of another great team, Acceleration Partners, Bob on, you know, you guys spent a lot of time talking about brands being a little bit kind of scared to spend and some kind of, you know, shrinking of everybody's worried about the economy, everybody's worried about the price of gas and so on. I'm far more hopeful because over, also over the last year, and I don't know if this is an effect of COVID and everybody kind of being shut down for a little bit, but Over the last six months, I've been approached by more startups starting something new and thinking about not only just launching that something new, but thinking about partnerships and thinking about stuff that's not just normal, kind of programmatic in a space. More in the last six months than I have in the last decade. That to me is super exciting. And I think maybe some of that is, you know, the pressure of people being unsure about, you know, what's coming down the pipe and maybe, you know, they, they want to control their own future that way. The fact that I'm seeing startups just nose to the grindstone, building new things, building exciting things that, that honestly, I wouldn't have, have thought about, whether it's in, in the art space or in the conference collaboration space or in the gaming space. It's just a lot of exciting buzz that way. And I always think that people, again, back to those taking those risks and stuff, anytime that there is 
a downturn or a shift in the economy, that also means that there's opportunity. Even if it's a down shift in the overall trajectory of the economy, there's opportunities that come up from that. And scrappy entrepreneurs are always going to find those. So to me, that's that component is exciting and has kept me from, I, I think all the time we, we see you know, a lot of negative news come, come across. And it's definitely kept me like, Hey, there's cool things happening. People are still passionate about those things. You know, Angel, I 100% agree with what you're saying because I'm seeing the same thing. And I think it's a combination of the things you said, but also the maturity of the partnership channel is getting on more and more brands and ancillary agencies like PR agencies, straight up influencer agencies are starting to look at partnerships as another facet of what they can service how they can service brands their clients so i've been having the same hearing the same conversations and i i say this all the time you know i've been in the industry since uh, 98 and i have never been more excited or optimistic about where it's going and it, it just seems to be diversifying and um, innovating hand over fist. I mean, just every day, every week, there's something coming on my radar of something new and exciting. So I, I think it's, it, you know, it bodes well for, for all of us because it makes it easier to have those conversations and, and, and get people on board with it. And with that, I mean, that's a, one of the other benefits about partnerships, right? Is that we're so, you know, we turn on ad spend focused. We're, we're a profitable channel and especially if managed well. Whereas other channels sometimes is a little bit more like gambling. Yeah, I think in these downturns, you see a lot of the budget stays in the in the partnerships channel and gets pulled out of the programmatic and the search because, you, like I said, it, you, you don't know what your return on ad spend is going to be. And I think the issue right now we're facing is consumer spending is going to go down um, with this recession. So we're going to see, um, and the inflation. So I think we're going to, see brands struggling for dollars and they're going to be reluctant to spend those dollars with there aren't any, you know, you're going to plug that dollar into the machine and tomorrow there's not going to be anything coming out of it or they're, they're going to get 50 cents back. And that's, that's going to be a problem. The opposite end of that though is why it's good, right? So the opposite end of that is if brands are worried about consumers spending less, who's going to make consumers spend more other than the partners and influencers who they trust, whose journey that they are used to watching, who they feel are their friends, who they feel are the people they wake up to and listen to, who whose opinion they trust, who's going to get them to spend that hard-earned dollar on something that they, you know, is going to, that, that trust component is something that you can't get in, in, the, in other spaces. I think that's one of, one of the reasons that pivot works for brands. It is about trust and, you know, consumers don't typically buy just because they see a programmatic ad or when they do a search, they see your keyword buy at the top. They're looking for the, the people that they trust that give them the reviews, give them the recommendations, have an opinion and help people decide if I am going to spend money, I want to make the right purchase. And, and that doesn't come through in an ad. Well, hey, man, we have covered so much. I really appreciate you coming on. I'm uh, really excited about all the stuff that we talked about today. And I think there's a lot of takeaways for everybody that's listening. 
Well, thank you for having me on. I look forward to being in the same city and grabbing some food together, man. Partner to brand relationship dynamics are evolving quickly. Now that creators are entering the industry with a business-oriented approach rather than using this outlet as a creative hobby, brands must learn to pivot and not be fearful in taking risks in the ways they approach these relationships. A huge takeaway from this conversation is the idea that the proper partnerships that might suit a brand involves time, investment, and the willingness to take a risk on partners who may not immediately come to mind on the surface level. Thinking of partners outside of the box who might not be seated in your brand's vertical and still be an incredible fit. To complement this, it is also important to see partnerships, whether that be with affiliates or influencer creators, as a relationship that should be built up and maintained over time. The more partners feel that they are being treated for their individual needs, the better chance they will produce content that resonates well with your brand and their audience. It was great to have Angel on the show. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to next time. Thanks for listening to The Partnership Economy, brought to you by Impact.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the show and rate and review it on Apple Podcasts.